Welcome to the candy shop. We speaking on things you not. Just press play and let it rock. Welcome to the candy shop. Welcome to the candy shop. We speaking on things you not. Just press play and let it rock. Welcome to the candy shop. Feel like we going through mad things. Gotta keep it real when they choose not. We gon' talk about it when the news drop. Welcome to the show where you know we don't fake this. Keep your opinion to yourself if it don't make sense. Hey, 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 Podcast Nation, it is your girl, Candidly Kristen, and this is The Candid Shop, your number one destination for candid conversations. Today, I am delighted to be having a very special author spotlight chat with actor, dancer, filmmaker, and author of Choosing Survival, How I Endured a Brutal Attack and a Lifetime of Trauma Through the Power of Action, Choice, and Self-Expression, Lynn Fournay. Welcome, 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 Lynn, to the Candid Shop. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, It is my absolute pleasure to have you here today and be chatting with you. So I guess I have to start by going back. And if you could just share a little bit of your backstory with me and my listeners. Um, sure. Uh, I was born in Atlanta <laughs> and I moved to South Florida when I was six and I was a cheerleader when I was three. Like, I don't know, I started it, dancing it. when I was eight. Um, got I was it. Perfectionist, you know, um, and uh, I love dance so much. It became such a huge part of my life that I changed my major to dance when I went mm-hmm. to um, University of Florida. And okay. I did that in the spring semester of 98, and then I went home to visit my mother um, in between the spring and summer semesters, and that's when um, I was attacked and stabbed multiple times. Um, By someone you knew? No, I did not. I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't know him at all. Wow. So first, I want to ask you what kind of dance you do, like jazz, contemporary, a little bit of everything? Um. Mostly modern is kind of where I, you know, I did a lot of ballet growing up, um, tab jazz, the whole nine yards. And then when I was in college, I got to um, do some different like um, African dance and some Indian dance. And, you know, so I got to be more, you know, more exposed to different things. But I I think modern slash contemporary is kind of and was a lot of a jazz influence, I would say, is where I sort of settled my style. Okay. Okay. So talk to me about the why of your book and why you chose to write it when you did. Yeah, it's interesting. I um when this first happened to me, I would kind of start getting into like all the details of the story and I would just say like, oh, I should just write a book, right? It's so crazy. I should just write a book. Right. And um the 25th anniversary happens to be on May 9th. So oh. it is coming up. And um it's always been in the back of my mind to write this book. It just, you know, and the timing didn't feel right or I was just too busy with other things. And um, I'll be honest with lockdown. I found myself with a lot more time because, you know, my, mm-hmm. well, you know, my, my thing was performing arts and being around people <laughs> all right. the time. And, um, oddly enough, and this is a weird story, but I started vocal lessons, um, virtually. And she happened to also be a coach and I kind of joined one of her like small group programs and she used this Voxer app, which we had to, you know, talk into. Okay. And she knew that I was, had thought about this book and I was sort of starting to kind of think about maybe now maybe I I could think about writing it and um she you know kind of gently and sometimes not so gently encouraged me (laughs) to do it (laughs) so I first wrote a poem that is in the book um called my mistress and I read it to the group and 
got a really beautiful response. And so then I was like, well, maybe I'll try this first chapter and see how that goes. And then it just kind of slowly progressed from there. And the why I even talk about pretty candidly, (laughs) pun intended. Um, (laughs) um, In the book of the why, it's like, why why am I writing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself out there this way? But I just realized that so many people walk around with so much shame and we all have a story, right? We all have a story to tell. And I think so many of us don't share it for fear of other people's reactions, what they're going to think of us. And it really does so much damage to us as people in our psyche. And so it's just, you know, and I think encouragement from others, like storytelling is really powerful and this is how we can heal. Um, And so that's ultimately why I wrote it. Okay. So when you wrote it, what, if anything, did you hope the book would achieve? And who was your target audience if you had a specific one? I know. I think I'm still trying to figure that out, to be honest. But um, I, anyone that's been through, you know, obviously um, any sort of victimization where they've, you know, they've been attacked or, you know, I don't want to give specifics, but anyone who feels like they've been silenced in some way, or they feel like they can't come forward or they feel very alone and they don't quite know what the next steps are or how to heal. And so I just wanted to kind of go through all of the different things that I've tried and really press upon the fact that I made this conscious decision. Like it has to be a, a decision that you make, a choice that you make to heal, to, you know, if that this doctor doesn't listen to you, find the next one. You know, it's kind of like, it's so important to advocate for ourselves. And I know that can get tiresome, yeah. but um, I think anyone that just needed to hear someone else's voice to kind of give them a little push to, to heal as well. And that's, yeah. And then I, I did have the, I do still have this kind of maybe naive thought that someone else who was attacked by this particular man um, would read it somehow. And I could connect with them because I've never met any of us other, I hate to use the word victim, but um, right. yeah, I just, I've never met any of them. And I just, I did have this naive thought of like, maybe, you know, this will help me connect with someone else that he's, um, that he attacked in the past. Gotcha. So was he caught? He, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he was never convicted for my case. So I will, okay. you know, say that, but, um, he did get caught two years after my attack. He, um, killed a woman. Um, oh. and yeah. And, um, he also attempted to rape like a 16 year old girl in her apartment complex and broke her jaw. And then he attacked another one. Yeah. It was many, many, many women. And those are the okay. three that I think he was able to get convicted on. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit about a victim shaming and I hate the word victim too, but the shaming blaming that happens mm-hmm. to people who have been, uh, brutalized in any way. Let's chat a little bit about that. And was that in any way part of your healing process, like to move from victim shaming, blaming, and did any of it go on for you in your case? Yes. Um, Yeah, (laughs) quite a lot, actually. Um, And I think I was, you know, I was so young when I was 21. I think I was just kind of shocked at things people would say to me. I will say the one that was the most shocking was this older gentleman. I don't even know. I don't think I even knew, you know, it's like you talk to people and I don't even remember how I met him or how I knew him, but um, he looked at me and he's like, well, what did you do to piss him off? And I was like, what? You know? And I was just, I I just was stunned. And um, I think a lot of people um, wanted to, you know, blame me in the sense that, oh, you must've known him or your mom must've known him or, you know, you know, I did something to, to bring this upon myself. Right. And, um, 
I somehow I don't I don't think I realized how pro, I don't like, I was so profound, but I came <laughs> to this realization at a young age that I, I don't think people can handle this kind of story because if it truly is random, it could happen to them just as easily. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that yeah. is those. So a lot of the victim shaming just comes from this fear-based response. Well, you must Absolutely. have caused it because Absolutely. if you didn't, then this could happen to me and I can't handle that. Right. And they have to make it make sense in their head. Like, yeah, it, it's just people aren't just out there going any, many, many mo. Right. And for right. a lot of, a lot of uh, these kinds of people that's, you know, they see somebody and for whatever reason, it's you today, you know? Right. Right. So how did you push through all of the, I'm sure, fear, anxiety, maybe paranoia after this happened to you and start to really live again? Um, I think I just had this constant attitude that I was not going to let this man take my life away from me. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think like I was in the hospital for almost three weeks. And when I got home, I just, I don't think I realized quite how scary that would feel. Right. Um, you know, I slept in like the bed with my mom and we actually had this like alarm system donated to us. It was really, which is really lovely. But then this attacker guy ended up calling me on the phone. Ugh. Yeah. And that was another reason why people, oh, we'll see, you must have known him. I'm like, oh there's God. literally, so my, so I will say like my name my full name, my address, where I went to school, like everything was printed in every South Florida paper. There are two Fornies in the phone book. You know, he obviously knew right. my address because he followed me home. You know, I'm like, this isn't that hard. Right. Like the phone book was very, I know younger people may not know what a phone book is. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's very easy to find people back then. Yeah, and right. um, that kind of did it for me. I need, I I'm like, I have to go. Like I can't be in this house anymore. And I still feel kind of guilty about leaving my mom right. there by herself. But um, I went and lived with my dad and it's, I think it was just this constant, I want to get back to my life. Like I went back right. to school that fall, which now I think about that, I'm like, my God, like this happened to me in May. And then in August, okay. like mid August, I'm like mm, going back to college, you know, just, right. wow. I got I to gotta get back to normal. Yeah. And it was hard. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like there were many tears shed, but I also just, I'm lucky that my professors were really supportive. I had some great friends at the time who I, I you know, I don't think they knew always how to help me, but the fact that they right. were there was wonderful. Right. And, um, and I think I also was just determined to heal. I don't know, like heal myself. Like I went to trauma therapy in my earlier thirties, you know, okay. and I did this really intense therapy called EMDR. And I just, I remember telling the therapist, I don't want to be 85 with the same issues. <laughs> you know? right. Like, you okay. know, like I was just like, can you please help me? Um, and I think it affected me more than I even realized. Like I'm mm -hmm. very, I'm still kind of a little bit jumpy. If my husband came home, like I knew it would be him, but if he turned the corner, I would jump. Like literally right. my feet would leave the floor. And and then I was like, huh, I don't think this is normal. You know, I don't think right. this is quite right. maybe, you know. So I, I it just throughout the all the years, I just I don't know. I just had this, I don't know, I just dealt with it and moved forward and kind of pushed on and and found help when I needed it. Okay. So you mentioned uh EMDR, eye movement mm -hmm. sense desensitization and reprocess and I know I didn't say that right but that's but, yeah that's it um tell me talk to me about that um yeah it's really it's almost difficult to explain and I'm gonna just do it in like layman's terms because okay. essentially what like how my therapist described it is when we go through a trauma um normally our brain let's say makes a circle like it finishes the pattern out but in right. a trauma like it gets stopped and then you keep getting stuck in that same spot and um, so what she kind of explained is EMDR kind of helps your brain kind of finish out that pathway. Okay. And um, it's a way to sort of bring your subconscious more conscious. 
or to your, you know, forward to your consciousness. And, um, it's a lot of visual visualization. So like she would kind of put me in a very relaxed state and have me, um, like the first thing I had to do was go to like this very safe spot. Like I, you know, I just kind of found myself on on an Island with like this glass house so I could see everything at all Mm -hmm. times, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's gonna be different Mm -hmm. for everybody. And then I had to like get on this little boat and go into a cave and, um, and just kind of go deeper and deeper into like, again, try, my subconscious just trying to tell me like what happened or, you know, what I'm still struggling with. And um, one of the most profound things I have to say is I, I met a very young version of myself who was about four. Okay. And that kind of brought up some trauma that I think I'd always suspected I had from when I was very little, but couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. So it became this like very layered thing where it's like, I don't think this is, this is my attack from when I was 20. You know what I was? I was like, I think this right, is something else. Right. And so like, it just got this really deep, deep information out. And, um, I will say it's a, it's a really intense process. It took about a year and it kind of feels like your brains are chopped up and thrown all around and you have to sort of put them back together. It's, that's the best way I can describe it, but it's, it's really, really powerful and effective. Um, that being said, I have read that it's still considered kind of controversial and it doesn't have the same effect for everyone, unfortunately, but it was really amazing for me. Very, very hard, but, um, yeah. And let me just say here that Lynn nor I are medical doctors or anything like that. So this is not medical advice. Okay. Correct. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so listen, I am too a lifelong dancer. I started dance classes probably as soon as I could walk and continued them. Um, even today, I still, I still dance when awesome. I need to process something. I, I dance, I listen to music and I dance. Mm-hmm. So How did dance, art, and self-expression help you and how can it help others? Yeah, I I think there's such an incredible power that can come from art because it's different than our words. And sometimes we don't have the words Mm -hmm. or we can't, you know, either say them or we don't even have the words for it. And something about our bodies especially um, can just move energy in such a unique way special way. And, um, you know, even if it's like vocalizing, right. And you're just, you're vocalizing, maybe not words, but you're just moving sound. It's just something about that. Um, and it's so inherent to us as human beings, I feel like, and it's so sad to me how arts are just not taken seriously. They're always underfunded, but they're just so incredibly powerful and something that's so unique to, to us as human beings. And, um, yeah, I think dance for me has just always been where I felt like I was at home yeah, again, I could just express things that I didn't know how, how else to otherwise express. And especially when I was performing, there's just something about the energy exchange that happens. It's just so special and unique um, and really powerful. I agree. I agree. Yeah. (laughs) What do you do, Lynn, on the days when your inner critic, and I think her name is Betty. Yeah, that's right. Is getting the best of you. Sometimes I'll, you know, I try to go to the, uh, all the things that I've done, like, right, the EFT tapping or just trying to tell her to shut up. <laughs> I don't need her help right now. Um, I think also changing my relationship with her. I did some shadow work and that's how I came to know Betty and realizing that Betty is there ultimately to protect me. Yes. Right. And I think realizing that gives, you know, if anyone's considering this type of work, it gives you a different perspective on those shadow parts or the inner critic or whatever it is that, you know, you're dealing with. And um, you can kind of say like, thank you. I know that you're here, here to protect me, but I, I have this. I can do this. Like I can handle right. this. And, and sometimes right. it kind of helps them sort of sit back down and 
you know, shut up for a little while. Right. For a little while. <laughs> Never forever. Right. No, no. And some days I'll admit, like, I just play video games because I just need to zone out and not like right. in my yeah. head, you know? <laughs> so yeah. every day is a little different, but, um, you know, obviously focusing on anything else helps. So like, like you said, just putting on music and dancing, like shifting that energy, vocalizing, um, just doing 20 jumping jacks. I mean, it sounds yeah. silly, but it really can shift very quickly. Yeah. And then on the days where I just can't seem to win, I'm just like, you know, today I'm just sad and that's okay. And tomorrow's right. a different day and I'm going to wake up with a different perspective. You know? Yeah. Yep. Sometimes it's just binge watching Netflix and that's exactly. it. Exactly. And being okay. And also being okay with it. Be like, and you know, this is okay what I need. It. This yep. is what I need today. And that's okay. Yeah. So Lynn, what does choosing survival look like for you in real time? Um, again, I think it's making the choice to um, do the healing, do the work. Um, it's also choosing to um, think about like when I, if I have a, a thought that maybe is more judgmental, let's say, you know, it's kind of like thinking, well, why did I have that thought? And where is that coming from? And, right. and why? It's sort of like being more aware of my own reactions, my own thoughts, because I know that the way I treat people and I speak to people is just going to be a ripple effect. Right. Um, so I think that's one of the ways I think knowing, you know, I struggle with depression still and kind of being more aware of my own, um, you know, symptoms, so to speak, when that, they kind of start to creep up and it's becoming a, a daily thing. And then I'm like, OK, I'm going to choose to to recognize this. I'm going to choose yeah. to, you know, change, do some things. And that means going back to a therapist or whatever it is. Right. Um, and I think, again, just choosing not to be angry. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it sounds simple, but I, I mean, I do have a lot of anger, right? And I've had to work it out. I mean, I one one time in Nor I was living in New Orleans, and I was like, I just need to punch. I need to punch some things. <laughs> so I went right. and started kickboxing, right? right. It was really right. cathartic. So yeah. it's like choosing to listen, you know, to not just ignore things. To really like, okay, I need a shift. I need to do something, and I'm going to mm -hmm. choose to do it instead of just sitting and wallowing and sitting in my anger and hating everything and hating life and right. just being angry. You know, I just I really do think that's a choice or can be. Yes, should be. Um, and it's funny you said I just feel like hitting something because <clears throat> apparently they have these rage rooms now. Yeah, you can go in and just break stuff. That sounds amazing. I know I've I've heard of that and I'm like, oh, I want to do that. You know, because how cathartic is that? How many times do we want to just smash something? But you don't want to break your stuff, right? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, something like that. You know, it's like oh, sometimes man, just... I didn't think of it. I know, I know. I need to find one of those too. Right. <laughs> so what's on your horizon, Lynn? Can we eat more books? What are some of the other things that you have in the pipeline or that you're doing? Yeah, I just, um, I completed a short film that's um, actually winning some awards. I'm really excited about it. It's a nice. horror, horror musical comedy called Hot Sauce. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's super, it's absurdist. I think it's hilarious, but um you know, but I was able to use like acting and dance and I choreographed for it. I sang songs. I wrote the song. I mean, I wrote the whole thing and, um, nice. and it's doing pretty well. I'm, I'm very excited, but the next, um, I guess I would say more, well, not that that, that was cathartic too, but, um, I really, there's a poem in my book called the cage mm -hmm. and I would love to create a dance on film based on that. So I, I have this idea of having a big cage built for me and, you know, recording the poem and then, and then my husband can um, put some music underneath it and creating a film based on that. Nice. Um, so I think that's, yeah, like that's sort of the, the next big project I'll say. Okay. I love it. I'm looking forward to it. And Thanks. where can we find hot sauce? I, I want to see that. 
I know well, I can email you a link. Basically, when you're in the film festival circuit, you have to keep it really private. Otherwise, you get disqualified. Okay. But eventually, I think when I'm done with that, um, maybe the next year or so, put it on YouTube, you know, and just have hey, it available. Yeah. <laughs> well, I promise I won't share it, but I still okay. want to see it. Thanks. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Lynn. Thank you. This is um, thank you for joining me today. Uh, I hope my hope is always that these conversations give my listeners something that they can connect with, relate to, and hopefully help with something that they're going through. It might not be an attack as brutal as yours, but whatever the trauma is. Yeah. And that, that's always my hope. So thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you for having me again. Oh, you're welcome. We're not done now. That, I know. Now, <laughs> now we get to the fun stuff. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we get to play 10 Candid Questions. Ten candy questions is just ten random questions, and um, the only rule is that you have to answer them candidly. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. All right. What's the number one thing you think is missing most in the world? Oh, um, joy. Mm, that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, introvert or extrovert? Ooh, I think I'm an omnivert. Honestly, I'm a little bit of both. <laughs> Okay, me too. Is that I, mean, fair? I, never, I don't like that word. I'm going to use that. Okay. Um, third question Who has made the most difference or influence in your life? Oh, um, I mean, I have to say my husband for sure, but if we're looking at like professional people, I would say it's one of my college professors. His name is Rick. I talk about him in my book and he passed away from lung cancer and never smoked, by the way. Wow. So there's my PSA on that. Very, very healthy man. But um, he just was such a beautiful influence for me in my life. So I'm going to go with Rick. All right. <laughs> Number four, dogs or cats? Dogs. Yeah, I'm a dog person too. <laughs> I love cats too, but I, I'm definitely a dog person. I'm so allergic to cats. I love them too, but dogs just, there's just something about a dog waiting for you by the door when you get home that's just unmatched. Exactly. What has been on your mind recently that you'd like to share with my listeners? Oh, um, wow, that's a hard one. <laughs> huh. I think trusting yourself. I've had some, um, some, so my husband, and I kind of want to move. We, we were thinking about moving back to New Orleans. We live in Austin now and I keep going back and forth and waffling. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's so hard. Like, I feel like I can have this clarity. If you asked me a question or wanted advice, I could very, you know, quickly come up with something for you. But when it's my own life, I'm like, I don't know. What about this? And what about this? <laughs> so, something, so that's been on my mind a lot of trusting myself and relaxing and like letting, I don't know, like getting more into flow. I think there's some, some really powerful, um, that's powerful advice that's easier said than done. But yeah. yeah, that's been on my mind a lot. Surrendering to the flow, I guess. Surrendering to the flow. I like it. <laughs> All right. Morning person or night owl? Oh, night owl. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. When have you grown the most in your life and what caused that growth? Um, wow. Uh... I think the EMDR therapy helped me grow a lot. It helped me become a much better communicator because <laughs> okay. I thought I was pretty good at it and apparently it was not so good. Um, <laughs> so I did a, I don't know, I just did a lot of work during that kind of year or two years. And I mean, it's still ongoing, but right. I grew a lot then. And then I think I've grown a lot in the last couple of years too, um, writing the book. And I watched a lot of like, you know, workshops and things. So I think 
yeah, I think I would say in the last three years and then the that EMDR section of my life. Okay. All right. Eighth question. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite curse word? Okay, am I allowed to say it? Yes. <laughs> Fuck. Yes. <laughs> it's definitely my favorite. Mine too. <laughs> Mine too. There's something about it. It's cathartic, uh, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Ninth question. If you had the attention of the whole world for five minutes, what would you say? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Uh, Choose love, man, over anger. I mean, I just feel like so many people are so angry and they hold on to it so much. I just wish I could. I mean, anger is a useful emotion, right? Mm -hmm. It's definitely there Mm -hmm. for a reason, but it's it's the holding on to it and the keeping it and the righteousness of it. It's like move through it like release right. it and see how we're all so much more similar than we think. And that's ultimately, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And the 10th and final question, which is the same for everybody. How can my listeners connect with you and get your book? Yeah. Um, you can find my book on Amazon. Um, my goal is to have an audiobook out this year. I have, it's available in, um, the, all the other forms. But um, yeah, Amazon, I have a website, lynnforney.com. You can also email me, choosingsurvival at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, I would love to know if, if people pick it up and read it. I would love to know, you know, their thoughts and, and um, how it connected with them. And that's my, because that's my hope. So yeah. Awesome. Well, then first, let me say in the most sincerest, genuine way I can, that I am glad you survived and that you're thriving and growing. I'm just glad you're still here with us. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you so much for your time, your authenticity, your vulnerability and sharing your story. Thank you for all of it. And I I hope that when this goes out to the world, people can connect with it and connect with you and get your book, because I know I sure will. I'm an, audio, I'm an audio book fan, so please let me know when the I audio book. <laughs> I keep saying that. I'm like, okay, I need to get this out. <laughs> and I'm an actor, right? I can't let anyone else do it. I have to do it. Right. Oh, That's God. my yeah. story. And, and you've got a great voice for it. So. Oh, thank you. But it yeah, is. okay. Well, thank you for the, uh, the kick in the pants. I will get on Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right, guys. So Lynn's contact info, her website, and uh, links to her book will be in the show notes. And please, please, please don't forget to visit my little old website at www.thecandidshop.com. Candid with a K. Listen to an episode. Drop me a review. Tell me what you like, don't like. Share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, strangers on the street. Just tell them about the show. And until next time, I want every single person out there to keep it safe, keep it healthy, and keep it candid. Candid.